Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We are so excited that you joined us for today's message by Senior Pastor Gary Hart from Victory Church in Great Falls, Montana. Our prayer is that today's message will inspire you to join us in changing the world by helping people find and follow Jesus. Now here's Pastor Gary. Well, we're continuing on in a series of messages uh, called The Principles, The Powerful Principle of Seed Time and Harvest. This is week number four. And uh, this series really was birthed out of my spirit in a time of prayer where I really felt like I heard the Spirit of God say to me, everything in the kingdom of God operates by the principles or by the laws of seed time and harvest. Everything. Everything in the kingdom of God operates by the laws of seed time and harvest. Everything. So we've been talking over the last several weeks about the laws of seed time and harvest. Uh, and, and so we went through seven of those. If you didn't have the opportunity to go through the, the seven laws, uh, I encourage you to go back online, victorychurchgf.com, and you can watch the, those sermons and renew yourself on those principles. But today, in light of the fact that this is Heart for the House Sunday, and uh, I want to talk to you today on money seeds. Money seeds, right? You're excited already, I can tell, right? Now, the challenge with this sermon is not in finding a scripture to support the message because the Bible is filled with financial scriptures. It really is. Uh, the challenge really in preaching on money and finances and possession, uh, possessions is in, fi- in choosing which one, which scripture do you preach out of. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but there are Approximately 500 scriptures in the Bible on faith. And uh, people love it when pastors preach on faith. Come on, increase our faith. Come on, pastor, talk about faith. We're gonna, I need you to preach on, on faith. And we're going to talk about faith today. Right? People love it when preachers preach on faith. There's, there's approximately 500 scriptures in the Bible on prayer. Right? And people love it when their pastor preaches on prayer. Come on, Pastor, we, we want to improve our prayer life. Come on, can you help us pray better, more effectively? Preach to us on prayer. And people love it when, people, when pastors preach on prayer. But did you know there's over 2,300 scriptures on money and possessions? Over four times more scriptures in the Bible on money and possessions than on faith or prayer. And yet, whenever a preacher decides to preach on money, people get nervous. <laughs> right? Now, just to, just to clear something up here real quick. Just in case, by any, any chance, you think for a moment that the reason that your pastor is preaching on money today is because he wants a bigger offering at the end of the service, can we just stop right now? If that's your thought, if you think that by somehow I'm trying to guilt you or manipulate you into giving a larger offering, then I want to encourage you to do something right off the bat. Just take your offering and put it back in your pocket. Because that is not my motivation at all. If you give out of a motive of guilt or manipulation, you're giving out of the wrong motive anyway, and your heart will not be fertile to receive any type of harvest on what you give. My entire motivation today in preaching on money is simply 
to stir up our faith, to stimulate our faith, to stimulate my faith. How many know I need more faith when it comes uh, to, in my life, when it comes to areas of finances and that kind of thing? And, and so we want to stimulate our faith to believe God's word is true and that when you give with a faith-filled heart, you can dare to believe that the promises of God will come to pass in your life. And that's really what we want. We want God's word to come alive in you. We want God's word to be effectively working in you and his promises to come to pass in your life. So a scripture in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says this, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the words of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. How many of you need to need a little more faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So out of all of the scriptures on finances that we could look at, let's look at the words of Jesus today, all right? We're just going to take a look at the words of Jesus. And I want to teach you out of the, the gospel of Matthew, chapter number six, we're going to look at verses 19 through 33, all right? Now, as we look at this, out of all of the scriptures in this passage, the one that's probably most familiar to us is chapter 6, verse 33, all right? Let's go there, Matthew 6, 33, and it says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. This is a wonderful promise from the word of God, and you can certainly see that it follows the laws of seed time and harvest. How many of you can see that? How many of you can see that? You're going to be a good audience today, right? So if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's sowing, all these things will be given to you as well. Reaping the laws of seed time and harvest. But two questions immediately arise as we look at this. Number one, how does one seek first the kingdom of God? How does one seek first the kingdom of God? And two, what are the things that will be added to you? All right, those are important questions. In Bible school, uh, I went to Northwest College, it's now Northwest University, but in my Bible classes, one of the very first principles they taught us in the interpretation of Scripture is called the law of context or contextual interpretation. In other words, you always view a Scripture in view of the context in which it is written. All right? You don't just pull a Scripture out and say, here's what it means. You always interpret a Scripture within the context of what it's written. What's around it is so important to what the, the author was talking about. So we've got to ask ourselves, if we're going to understand what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and if we're going to understand what things God wants to add to us, then we've got to know the context of verse number 33. So we're going to look at the context, what scriptures are around verse 33, so that we can understand the context. Are you ready? Come on, let's look at it together, beginning at verse number 19. Then let me share some principles with you as we move through this. All right, number one, here we go. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy 
And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right? So right off the bat, we see God speaking about treasures or possessions, things that we have, have possession of. And he says to us, don't put your treasure or don't set your affections on treasures of this earth. How many of you can see that would be our, our money, our possessions, the things that we own? He says, don't, don't put your affections there. Rather, store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So here's principle number one. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also, right? So if you set your heart or your treasure in earthly things, guess what? That's where your heart's going to be. How many of you have ever owned a new car? You ever owned a new car? Anybody? How many of you ever owned a used car that got new? All right, good. All right. The moment you drove it off the lot, right, what was your thoughts? Careful. I got a new car. I'm looking good, right? Where do you park at Walmart? As far away from everybody else as you possibly can, right? Why? Because your heart is following your treasure. You put treasure into that new vehicle, and therefore you want to protect it. You want to cover it. You don't want anything to happen to it. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Wherever you put your money, wherever you put your resource, wherever you, whatever you value in life, whether it's your hobbies, you put your money, that's where your heart follows because your heart follows after your treasure. And so he encourages us, don't let your treasures be in things of this world, that this, that this corruptible world will, you know, the, the I'm just going to tell you, you drive that car off a lot, there's going to come a time, someone's going to throw the door over, you're going to get a door ding, and your whole world's going to collapse, right? Because you're trying to protect your baby from, and it's going to happen. Why? It's corruptible. It's going to fade. It's not going to be new forever, right? So don't put your treasure here. Put your treasure there. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also, right? Now, he, Jesus brings a, a unique theme in here. It, it doesn't seem to fit until you really understand, again, the context in which he writes it. But look what he writes. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? All right? What's Jesus trying to say? In the context of what he's writing, he's saying, your perception of how you view money and possessions makes all the difference. How you perceive finances, how you perceive money is making a difference. If your eye is full of light, you see God owns it all. There's, there's more than enough, right? He, he blesses my every move. If you're full of light, then everything is a joy. But if your eye is full of darkness, you question God's goodness. You don't know whether or not he's going to come through. You don't know whether he'll bless you. There's not enough money to go around. I can't tithe because I can't afford it. Then your perception 
is making all the difference in how you view money and possessions. It's a lot better sermon than people respond, but that's okay. Then he goes on, and look what he says here. Next he goes, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now I want you to just notice something in this scripture. First of all, it's interesting to me that he says God and money. But it's also interesting to me that he capitalized money. Almost as though money has an almost God-like characteristic to it, that we would want to worship it. And out of all of the things that Jesus could have put his finger on, it says you cannot serve both God and he chooses money. Don't you find that interesting? And what that says to us is simply this. Principle number three, money and possessions is a battleground in our relationship with God. Money and possessions is a battleground in our relationship with God. In other words, Jesus said, if there's one thing that's going to come between me and a lot of people, it's going to be money. It's going to be their possessions. You cannot serve both God and money. You're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be loyal to one and despise the other. And how many people really despise God because of what he requires of them when it comes to their finances? Then he goes on, because it gets better, right? Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, what about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. Isn't that interesting? He said, birds don't do this, but you do. And God takes care of them, right? Yet I tell you, or sorry, are you not much more valuable than they? Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, you're more valuable than a bird. Isn't that nice to know? You are more valuable than a bird. <laughs> and then he said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? What good does it do for you to spend all of your time worrying about how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to get that? How am I going to do this? What, you know, is there going to be enough? I, I'm always short. Do you think that by worrying you're going to add one hour to your life? Is there going to be any measurable improvement by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The flowers of the, the field were dressed more grandly than Solomon. And if that's how he clothes the grass of the field, how much more is he going to let you wear jean jackets and Adidas tennis shoes? Come on, somebody. Right? Dressing up like Solomon. He's going to let you, he, he, he's not going to, oh, well, I don't have anything to wear. 
that God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide everything that you have need of. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Isn't that interesting? The pagans, the unbelieving, they're chasing after this stuff. People who don't follow Christ, that's what their life is com- com- comprised of. I got to have this. I got to have that. I'm chasing after that. I'm chasing after that. The pagans chase after that. And he says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. What are these things? What we need. Food, clothing, shelter, transportation. God knows you need those things. But here's the principle. If you will seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, we're going to talk more about that. How do you seek his righteousness? Then you don't have to chase after things. Things will chase after you. I said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you don't have to chase after things. Things will chase after you. He will give you all things that you need. You don't have to chase after it. That's the principle that we need to understand. So we can clearly see now that the context of verse 33 is simply money and possessions, isn't it? So... We need to know what it is to seek first the kingdom of God. So considering money as a seed, let's apply the seven laws of seed time and harvest and see how these apply, all right? Are you ready? Number one, seed reproduces after its own kind. Seed reproduces.